right, welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. And to, this afternoon, we usually do this at nighttime, so this is in the daylight. It's a little bit strange. Um, we're, we are... Um, we have a couple of really cool people here today. I'm really happy to uh, help facilitate this. First of all, we have our friend uh, Robin. She's been with us before. Hey, Robin, how you doing? Hello. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> Good. That's the right answer. And we also have um, Stephen Fair. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? Good. I'm very good. Welcome to uh, the Mormon Expression experience here in the studio. Thank you. It's really sort of my living room, but, <laughs> but it sounds sexier to call it the studio. Now, this uh, this is one, this is a recording I've been looking forward to, um, and uh, and Robin, you helped get this going. So, Robin, why don't you start us out by explaining um, how you know Stephen? Well, Stephen and I went to Snow College for one year together, and even though it was one year, he left quite an impression. Um, and when... We got into the, or I got into the Facebook craze. Um, I believe he friended me. I believe I did. And it was, I gladly accepted, but we never had that chat about, so where are you now? Right. And actually at the time I had just left the church very recently and the last I heard he was LDS. And so I was just nervous how that conversation would go with old friends. So I was really hesitant to bring it up. Um, anyway, later on, I saw him in Salt Lake Acting Company and congratulated him and thought it was wonderful. And then there was an article that came out a few weeks ago in the Tribune that told Stephen's story. And I was so touched. I contacted him immediately and, and asked if we could do something like this. And I was very excited to do it. All right. So, um, Obviously, Stephen, there's something special about you. Um, yes. So that the the the, the Tribune. Um, so what caused the Tribune article? Well, um, I guess my situation is that I'm gay. Uh, I I've been excommunicated from the church, but I still attend church and I still have a good relationship with the LDS Church. And I guess, uh, as I said in the article, that makes me a bit of a conundrum. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, and so uh, the article was basically about how I managed to balance the two, I guess, and what my, my personal story is. Um, the article actually came about, uh, a mutual friend, uh, had been approached by a reporter from the Salt Lake Tribune who asked, uh, cause he's in a similar situation where he's in a, he's in a, a committed partnership, um, and uh, he's he's active in his uh, LDS ward, uh, well as active as as one can be. Um, <laughs> but uh, she had approached him, uh, but he wasn't able to do the article, and he knew about me, and he asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. And I I thought and prayed a lot about it because I thought, well, you know, if I do this article, that means I'm I'm going to be pretty exposed out there to to a lot of people, uh, and there were. At that time, uh, most of the people in my, the ward that I attend didn't know, uh, that I was gay. Uh, although there were a handful of people that did. And so I, you know, I thought, well, what's the reaction going to be? And, and the more I thought about it and the more I really, uh, pondered it and, and, and thought about what, what could come out of it was that I really was hoping that maybe it could be, a bridge building device between two communities who often don't understand each other. Um, uh, being gay, I, I understand where gay activists are coming from. Having been raised Mormon, I know where Mormons come from. And, uh, 
sometimes I feel very caught in between, especially when the Proposition 8 stuff was happening. That was a very difficult time for me because in some ways I felt like I could see both sides of the argument and and yet here I was in the middle of it. And, and I saw so much hate and anger coming from different sides and, and it it really bothered me. And, uh, and so that's why I, uh, agreed to do the article. Cause I was hoping that maybe I could put maybe another point of view on it. I thought, uh, you, you know, f- for those, for those who are in my ward, um, you know, most, it's the ward that I grew up in. It's the ward I was raised in. Uh, and most of those people in the ward have known me since I was a kid and uh and of course they know me as a human being you know they don't know me as a gay person i thought well when they s- i think so many people have a misperception of what it is even to be gay and when you can actually put a face to the gay you know <laughs> then then i i think it it helps maybe soften people's heart a little bit and but but on the flip side i also you know and i don't necessarily expect everybody to understand the choices that i've made but on the flip side you know i thought maybe people on the gay side who who are anti-mormon maybe could see um that there 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 are positive things that come out of of being uh, raised as a mormon um I owe some of my best values and some of my best uh, qualities to the fact that I was raised Mormon just as much as I do to the fact uh, that I'm a homosexual. And uh, and for me to just dismiss that and say, well, you know, Mormon church is terrible, you know, they treat gay people bad and I'm out of here, you know, it just it didn't seem right to me. Uh, and Mormonism, I said this in the article, Mormonism still feels like home to me. Uh, I still, I still feel like I have a testimony of the church and I don't know how homosexuality correlates with that. Uh, but I've had some spiritual experiences in my life that still caused me to believe in the truthfulness of the church. And, and I know that's, that seems like a contradiction, but, uh, but I don't know. I said, as long as it works for me, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And thus far it's, it's still working for me. Wow. So let, let's go back in um, time a little bit. So w- when did you first uh, realize that you were gay? Oh, God. It's it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to like pinpoint exactly when I thought I was gay. I know that when I was in junior high school, for sure, I was like, there is something wrong with me. You know, something uh-huh. that's different about me. Uh, you know, I, I found that I just wasn't attracted to girls the way that I was told I was supposed to be. And I just thought, you know, and, and, you know, of course, when, when you're, when you're raised as a Mormon and you're, you're taught that, you know, being gay is not a good thing. And society tells you that gay is not a good thing. You know, you, you do, you think there's something terribly wrong with you. And, and for a long time, I just didn't even want to deal with it. I was like, well, I'm just going to ignore this and hope that it goes away. But it, of course it didn't go away. And, uh, it wasn't really until high school that I really was like, I think I am gay. I, you know, I think I actually am gay and I don't know that this is going to go away or not, you know? Um, um, interestingly enough, I actually came out of the closet when I was at Snow. 
my second year, which is uh, the year that Robin and I went to school together. Um, and I was actually quite estranged from the church at that time. I was uh, not my relationship with my family wasn't that great at that time. Uh, I just, I just was fighting against, uh, against, uh, the LDS church. And I was fighting. I didn't even think that God cared about me, you know, cause I just felt like I prayed and prayed and prayed and said, please take these feelings away from me. And I, you know, I don't want to be this way. If you really want me to be this good Mormon person, then, you know, please help me. And, uh, and I just felt like I, I wasn't getting any answers. Right after I graduated um, from Snow College, uh, during the summer in August of that year, that would have been, nine, let's see, 91, um, I was in my bedroom and I was praying again like I always did. And I was saying, you know, if if you want me to change, if you want me to be different, or if 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 you can show me that you're really there, I said, please do it, you know, cause I just felt like I was hitting this wall, you know, and I felt really inspired to read, um, the scripture that Joseph Smith read, uh, James one five. And I remember at the time thinking, this is so stupid. You know, I've read this scripture a gazillion times. Why would this matter? But I reluctantly picked up my scriptures and <laughs> opened it up. And I started to read it. And it wasn't specifically that verse. It was the verses that followed. I have never had a stronger spiritual experience than I had that time, either before or since. Um, all I can say is that it felt like it was the thinnest the veil has ever been for me. I felt like I just felt this sure knowledge that God knew exactly who I was. He knew exactly what I was going through. He loved me. Um, and some of the other things, I felt like I really genuinely felt like the church was true. I felt like that was something that I was told. Um, and I felt like I really needed to go on a mission. These, I mean, if you knew me the day before I said that prayer and the day after, it was like two completely different people. One of them just was angry and bitter and just thought God hated him. <laughs> and the other one just had this sure knowledge that, that God really was looking out for me and that he really knew me personally. And that changed my life. Um, I ended up going on a mission to Belgium, uh, which was a great, two years of my life. I loved it. I, 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 I went to, I went on a mission late. Uh, I went when I was, uh, I turned 21 in the MTC. And, uh, the reason I didn't go when I was 19 was cause I didn't want to, and I <laughs> didn't like church and I, you know, uh, but because of this spiritual experience, I just, I, I felt like I was supposed to go. I wanted to go. I wanted to be there. It was, it was, a terrific two years. Um, now the downside is that I thought that when I got all these answers, that that meant the gay was going <laughs> to go away. You know, I wasn't going to have to deal with that anymore. And much to my surprise. And at that time, disappointment, I discovered that no, the feelings were still there and they were still just as strong as they had always been. Um, and so it was really a struggle. And, uh, I tried 
to be the best Mormon I could be. I tried, you know, I served in all my callings faithfully and I paid my tithing and went to the temple and went to my church meetings. And I felt like I really did everything that I was asked to do. Uh, but instead of, instead of lessening the, my homosexual feelings grew stronger. And, and I just thought, what am I doing wrong? What is wrong? Um, and I determined that I was just going to be celibate and single for the rest of my life because I didn't, I didn't want to get married. Uh, I mean, I tried dating for a while, and I was honest with all my girlfriends about about the fact that I had uh, homosexual feelings, and and I almost got married twice, uh, but both times uh, didn't work out, and neither time uh, it, it wasn't the homosexuality it was the, it was the problem. There were just other extenuating circumstances. Uh, and, uh, but I reached a point where I just thought, gosh, I don't think this is fair to me. I don't think it's fair to the future Mrs. Fair that whose life I'm going to ruin <laughs> by, <laughs> by getting married. So I just thought, well, I can be a faithful Mormon. I can just be single. I can be celibate and, and I'll just do that. And it wasn't a very gratifying or satisfying existence, but I thought, I felt like that's what I was going to have to do. Well, uh, I went to UNLV to, um, get my master's degree and, uh, that's where I met Isaiah and, uh, and we just became really good friends and, and I knew he was gay and I just, just fell in love with him. I mean, I just really fell in love with him. And of course, at that time, I was still fighting it. And I was like, no, I can't do this, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so I just, I just said, okay, I'm just going to be his friend and that's it, you know, <laughs> nothing else. Um, and the more we were with each other, the more I fell in love with him and the more I just, sorry, <laughs> the more I just really, uh, I knew that he was, I knew who he was who I wanted to be with. And so, I didn't, I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> so, um, I told him, I said, well, I, I want you to know I have feelings for you too, but I can't do anything about it, you know. <laughs> I'm still going to try to, you know, do my thing. And I prayed a lot about it, and and I felt, I really felt like it was the right thing to do. Like, it was a struggle to do it. But I really felt like, I felt like our meeting each other and our being with each other was meant to be. And so that was hard because, because I also knew that meant, you know, that I'd be risking my membership in a church that I really care about and love. So, um, anyway, so we got together and, uh, I told my family, and my family knew about my 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 issues. Um, uh, they'd known for a long, long time, and I I said I'm just tired of fighting. I'm tired of you know constantly trying to do something that I don't think I can do. You know, and uh, and they were all to their credit amazingly supportive. Um, my mom said to me, she goes, she goes, I just. <laughs> I just want you to be happy. She goes, and, and if, if he makes you happy, then I think you should, 
you know, do what you have to do. She goes, I would rather see you be happy than, than be miserable all the time like you are, you know. Um, and my brother, my brother struggled with, with it a little bit. Uh, but he's he's come around. Everybody has been really supportive. Um, anyway, uh, Isaiah and I ended up uh, having a commitment ceremony here in the great state of Utah, <laughs> and uh, and eventually uh, my bishop uh, was made privy to this, and uh, he he talked to me. And my I want you to know that my church leaders have been amazing, amazing men. Um, I haven't dealt with anybody, and I know a lot of people out there haven't had the same experience that I have. I know there are a lot of people who've been dealt with very badly by their church leaders, and I know there's a lot of people out there who feel betrayed and angry uh, by the way they were treated by members or, or by church leaders, but I just want you to know that my experience was never like that. Uh, my leaders were all very... Uh, kind and very non-judgmental and uh you know obviously their position was to try to steer me towards not uh being gay uh but none of them were condemning in any way um the the bishop uh my bishop at the time of our commitment ceremony you know he he said well do you realize you know he, he was trying to make me realize that um you know, he was concerned for my spiritual welfare and, and my uh, eternal salvation. And I just told him, and th this was in the article too, I said, I would rather be wrong, quote unquote wrong, and feel the way that I do now with Isaiah than be right and, and just feel miserable all the time. And, uh, he accepted that, you know, I mean, I don't think he was thrilled, but, you know, he accepted that and said, well, you know, you have your free agency to do whatever you need to do. And he goes, I want you to know that no matter what happens, he goes, we love you and we care about you and we'll, you'll always, you know, be, you know, very valued to us like you always have been. And, uh, of course, he said, you know, this means that we probably will have to convene a, a disciplinary council. And I said, yeah, I realize that. And, uh, that's what happened. Uh, and my stake president, also a very cool, really wonderful man. Um, we, we had a talk and, and he wanted to think on it a long, long time. He, you know, I think he, I actually feel like he was very conflicted because he, loved me very much well he still loves me very much as as a human being and uh this was just something he didn't want to press right away he goes well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit on this for a while you know and we'll see what happens and and i don't think he was expecting me to change or anything i think he just wanted to just sit on it and dwell on it and pray about it and talk to his counselors and decide what he needed to do and eventually it did come to a time where uh where where we did have this council and uh my mother and one of my friends who actually uh, serves in the relief society of our of our ward um she's a really good friend and has been for a long long time they both came to my my council and they were there to support me and uh to testify on my behalf just as as far as my character was concerned um the men in the meeting uh 
about half of them were people I knew very, very well. Uh, uh, two of them had served as uh, counselors when I attended a singles ward in that stake. Uh, two of them were men that uh, were in my own ward and had been for a long time and who were both good friends. And, and so I think it was good to have that group of people there. It was good to have a group of people who I kn knew loved and cared about me as an individual that they that they weren't just looking at homosexuality in the abstract but they were looking at at Stephen Fair the person um and I knew I knew I was going to be excommunicated I had just felt that uh I felt that kind of confirmation just in my own soul but I also felt that things were going to be just fine that I was going to be okay that that and, you know, my stake president said something really, really um, valuable to me before we even had the council. He said, you know, he goes, men can excommunicate you from the church, but nobody can ever excommunicate you from God. And he goes, so don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that your relationship with your father in heaven is still intact and he still loves you just as much as he always has. And uh, that was very valuable to me. Um, so I, I basically told, you know, uh, the men on the council why I was there and what I'd struggled with. I read this big four-page statement uh, of just, and it was a, it was just me saying, "This is my life. This is the experience I've had in my life. These are the struggles I've had. These are the things I've done to try to." overcome what I was told was a struggle. This is why I feel like I can't do it anymore. And, uh, you know, I felt like, I felt like those men were taught a lot that day. I felt like maybe they'd been confronted with something that maybe they hadn't thought about in that way. Uh, even my, my, uh, neighbor that was at the, uh, disciplinary council, she goes, you know, I think you really taught these men something that they never even thought about. And, and uh, after after I gave my statement, they asked me some questions, and then um, we were told to wait while they while they came up with their decision. And we were in the waiting room for a long, 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 long time, and that made me feel good because I thought this is not an easy decision for these men. Right. This is not something that they're just like, well, he's out of here, you know. <laughs> um, and that made me feel good that they that. They were struggling with it, and that they, uh, and like I said, I knew I knew what the outcome was going to be, but I just was very glad that it wasn't an easy decision. Uh, and then I was brought in, and they, uh, my stake president, you know, told me, and it, of course it was hard uh, because you know here's a church I belong to my entire life, uh, which I've loved. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, when we left. It, it had been really cloudy and overcast uh, that day. And when we came out, like the sun was breaking through the clouds. <laughs> and I just thought, this is not a coincidence, you know? This is just God telling me that things are going to be just fine. And then I went and did I did my show that day. Uh, I was working at Salt Lake Acting Company doing Saturday's Boyer. So I am like, I, I had maybe an hour between my disciplinary <laughs> council and then I went and did Saturday's Boyer. Uh, and, uh, that was an interesting day. But, um, 
I always promised myself I wasn't going to be one of those people who became bitter and angry towards the LDS church. Um, we, you know, the church teaches what it teaches, and and I knew the consequences of what would happen if I failed to live according uh, to what it taught. Uh, and and I, I do think there are strides that can be made uh, in the church, and I actually think there are strides that are being made. You know, I think the language towards uh, gay people is softened uh, during uh, that time, uh, dur- during this time, and... Um, I love, I still love my ward. I still like going to church. Uh, I actually enjoy going to church more now than I did, (laughs) than I did when I was a member. Uh, because, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm not as, I, I don't know, I'm not as accountable or responsible. Like, I don't have to, (laughs) I'm not going to church because I have to. I'm not going, you know, I'm not doing these things because I have to. I'm actually doing them because I want to, and I, I like it. Um, people in my ward have been very supportive of me. Uh, since the article has come out, I've had people come up to me who have said, you know, and it's always in hushed tones. It's like <laughs> people will come up and they'll go, I read your article and I really liked it, you know. So I know this is an issue that people think about and struggle with. And, and I think it's good to, to put a face to it. I feel like I've just been talking and talking. So that's why we're. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we, we've come up to, um, so we've come up to, you know, your, your activity in the ward today. So how how do you participate? Because you excommunicated people yeah. aren't allowed to do a lot of things. Yeah, uh, it's limited participation. Um, I I'm not allowed to comment in like Sunday school or priesthood meeting unless <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm called on. I can I can talk. Oh, I can talk. That's a good loophole. Yes, it is a good loophole. Um, I'm I I'm I read scriptures. Uh, I'm allowed to sing in church, and I actually sing in church about maybe a month and a half ago, which was a great experience because I felt like it was another loophole because, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not allowed to bear my testimony publicly. Uh, but, but I felt like here I'm singing, I'm singing my testimony. So, ha ha. <laughs> so, um, you know, but what I can do, I mean, just because my participation is limited, uh, you know, I can bear my testimony to anybody I want to in my <laughs> regular life. I can pray anytime I want in, you know, I can read the scriptures. I can do a lot of the things that I did before. Um, I can go to church meetings and listen to lessons and still glean really valuable things from them and really good insights. I can listen to people's testimonies and still be fortified by the spirit. Um, in a way, it's actually become easier because, <laughs> you know, I don't have to go home teaching anymore. <laughs> and, and I don't, you know, I, you know, it, I mean, there are some, there are some good things about it too, but I, um, I'm not, I'm not terribly bothered by the fact that, that I can't participate as fully as maybe I, I could before. Every once in a while, and you know, and I, it's not like I want to say anything divisive or, or controversial, but every once in a while, some, you know, there, especially when there's like a really slow lesson going on, I'm thinking, I, I got some stuff I could say that could, <laughs> could move us along here. 
and, and you know, it also makes me feel like, gosh, these people don't know how lucky they are to, to be able to comment and, you know, say whatever they need to say, or, uh, these people don't know how lucky they really are to be able to bear their testimonies. You know, you, you'll, you'll hit a span of time during a testimony meeting where nobody's getting up. And I'm like, gosh, if I could get up, I would, <laughs> you know? So, um, so it's actually given me like, I don't know, a different insight on, on, on my membership, you know, my former membership, uh, in the church and, and, um, I enjoy, I enjoy going to church, you know, and I know a lot of people don't understand, you know, I've had friends say to me, they're like, why, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, why, why are you still, uh, sticking with an organization that, that basically rejects you? And I, I guess I just don't see it that way. I don't feel rejected. Like, I have really good relationships with all the people that I go to church with and I can still have that connection with God and, and, and I can still have a connection with God outside of the church too. Uh, but like I said, I, uh, Mormonism really feels comfortable to me. I enjoy it. You know, somebody had written a, a comment, uh, to the article saying it's so sad that this guy feels like he has to be validated or, uh, by the church that he has to go to church in order to feel accepted or validated. And I don't, I was like, well, that's not why I go to church. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to church. I'm not, I'm already, I've already been <laughs> excommunicated. You know, it's not like, it, I, I mean, what, what else can they do? You know, I go to church cause I like it. I, I, I still enjoy going to church and, and, uh, if it's making me happy, then what difference does it make to somebody else? You know, it, it's it's funny, and it kind of speaks to the how young the church is because, you know, if take like Catholics for example, you're you're hard pressed to find a Catholic that doesn't reject some teaching coming out of Rome. Sure, you know, almost everybody there's there's something that they're not gonna they're not gonna do. Right, you know, Catholic families aren't. 14 kids very much anymore, you know, so, so, you know, something's going on there. And, and, and nobody says boo about that. I mean, it's just, it's just understood. And, and you can take the same thing to Judaism and, you know, Eastern religions. And it's, it's sort of strange that there's this attitude on both sides, you know, within the church, you must accept everything. And then also, you know, how can you go to that church? Cause they say this, they say right, this one thing, right, you know, right. because, you know, obviously the church has said some, some terrible things, you know, in terms of prop A and about the, the, the gay issue altogether. But, you know, my experience is that, and my experience is limited, obviously. I don't, I don't, I don't experience it like you do, but most of the members are much more nuanced in their views. Right. You know, they're much more accepting and loving than, the, than you would, you would get from reading the press releases right. out of Salt Lake, you know. Um, so, so on that note, <clears throat> You know, Rob and I have we we're actually talking quite a bit yesterday. You know, this is sort of a two way street. So I don't know how much you participate in the gay community, but how does the gay community react to your your participation? Well, I have church? a, you know, I I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I don't know how the gay community reacts. Um, I have a lot of gay friends, mm -hmm. uh, so I guess they are the gay community. Um, but most of my friends, uh, think I'm a really great guy, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know. A lot of them don't necessarily understand why I go to church, but they also have the opinion, well, if it makes you happy and you're happy, then fine, you know. Um, I, I, I haven't heard a lot of negative criticism about, about, you know, my, my participation 
Uh, but I understand. I mean, I believe you me. I understand why people uh, maybe think I'm betraying the gay cause or, <laughs> or something. Uh, uh, all I can say is I, I know all the good things that the Mormon church has done and the good things that it's given to me personally. And while I have trouble with some of its views on, on homosexuality, um, I'm, I'm happy with it, you know, and I, I feel like maybe, you know, you see a lot of people in the gay community who are just attacking the church and they're saying, you know, the church hates gay people and they're horrible and, and, and maybe there is validity to that, you know, maybe from their point of view, it's, it's true. And I'm saying, Rather than attacking, if if I attack you, if I yell at you and say what a terrible person you are and how horrible you are and you're treating me, you know, just terribly, you're probably not going to be as likely to listen to me because because we're fighting. I'm thinking maybe change can happen from the inside, you know? Maybe if the church actually recognizes that there are gay people that, you know, very much still love where they came from. You know, they love the Mormon values that they were taught, you know. Uh, if people's perception of what it is to be gay can be changed, you know, then maybe, I don't know. I don't know if the church is ever going to change its position. But maybe they'll be more likely to, you know, soften their stance towards homosexuality if they're not being yelled at and accused, you know. And like I said, I completely understand. There, I think there, especially in the Prop 8 stuff, I thought there were a lot of kind of underhanded things that went on with that. Mm -hmm. And it made me mad, you know. I was like, gosh, you know, you've got this entity sort of saying, well, we, we didn't really tell anybody to do anything. We just sort of, you know... <laughs> We'll just let you use your conscience about whatever you want to do, you know? And I'm like, mm, no, you really did tell people to, <laughs> to, you know, vote against, uh, vote against gay marriage and stuff. Um, so I, 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 I totally get where the anger comes from and, and I get why people are upset with the church. And there has, you know, you look back at some of the talks and the rhetoric, uh, you know, even, I mean, even Boyd K. Packer's recent talk, like, to me, felt like a step backwards. I was like, gosh, what is he doing, you know? <laughs> it's like, here here you've got some people being a little, you got church leaders being a little softer with it, and then suddenly he's like, you know, all hard line about it. And I'm like, I felt like, gosh, you're not doing anybody any favors. We already know. We already know that the Mormon church <laughs> is against homosexuality. And and when I was listening to that talk, I just thought, if I were a struggling gay teenager right now, this talk would do a lot more to make me feel bad about myself and make me mm -hmm. feel worthless and make me feel guilty and make me feel like, you know, I'm a terrible person than it would to help me or uplift me. And I, and I just, I did, I thought it was a step backwards. And so... I do, I do get why people are upset with the church and why they're upset with church leaders. Uh, but all I can say is I'm coming from a place where the individuals in my own personal life, the Mormon members in my own personal life, the Mormon leaders in my own personal life, 
have been nothing but kind and supportive to me. And that has shaped my attitude towards the church. You know, the church is not this massive entity, you know, (laughs) it's made up of people. It's made up of individuals, individuals with different, you know, nobody in the church believes exactly the same. Everybody. I mean, there are members who have different opinions about this very subject. Uh, We don't often talk about it you know, in Sunday school or, you know, but, but I do think there are a lot of people who struggle with this. I even think, I even think some of the leaders I've dealt with have, have really struggled with this. It's not, it's not such a black and white issue. Um, so oh, I, I agree. I think the struggle goes all the way to the top. And I do too. And while Boyd K. Packer's talk, I think you're right, was a step in the, in the wrong direction. I think you can read a subtext of, of wondering what's going on even under the talk and you you know when 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 boyd you know wonders why would god do that you know the fact that he would even ask the question even even though he's old guard you know and 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 he's from another generation but i i think you know the the how quickly the protest came about and how quickly the church changed the talk and sort of backpedaled so you know you said you said earlier i don't know I don't know if the church will change. I think we're in the middle of a change. Yeah. And the fact that I don't think personally 20 years ago, they would have let you go to the church. Possibly. I, you know, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I, even when I look back, I look at the church, how it was when I was a little kid and even the way women were treated or black people were treated. Right. It's certainly evolved. Their language towards gay people has certainly evolved. I, I do. I, I don't. I think a lot of people think the church is this stagnant thing that just stays the same. And it, it, you know, because we're taught, well, the gospel never changes, you know, it's always the same. But you see the church of Joseph Smith, if you were to take the church of Joseph Smith and the church today, they're not the same church. They're just not, you know, culturally, they're not the same. Uh, you know, so I, 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 I don't know the answers. I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it would be arrogant of me to say, well, I know the church is going to change their position on this or, or I don't know that the church is going to change their position. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think, uh, I do think the opinions towards homosexuality have softened a lot. And, 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 you know, uh, I just wanted to go back to a point you just made too. When Boyd K. Packer made that statement about why would God do this, you know, and then he, he, he quantified it with, well, he wouldn't. And I just want to say every gay person asks themselves that question. Why would God do this? And, and, and we come up with the opposite answer. We come up, well, maybe, maybe it's okay to be gay. Maybe it's just fine to be gay. Maybe this is exactly the way God made me. Um, and I have felt, uh, especially since I was excommunicated, I have felt such a reassurance you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me in the afterlife. I have no idea what, you know, what's going to happen. But what I do feel is that God is very happy that I'm happy and that he loves me just as much as he always has and uh, that he knows I'm doing the best I can in my own life with the personal circumstances that life has dealt me. And he will judge me accordingly. He will judge me um the the thing about our father in heaven is that he judges us perfectly. He judges us with an absolute knowledge. And, and so it doesn't matter to me what other people think about me. 
uh, I, I just feel very secure in my relationship with God. And, and I really have felt that, that feeling that everything's just fine and I don't need to, to worry about it. And so that's. Well, that leads me somewhat, I guess you've been somewhat going there, I think already. Um, but one of the comments I read in the Tribune article, and I was so proud of you for answering back, but I think it's really something worth bringing up here. Um, from what I understood of the comment, it seemed to be coming from a faithful perspective in the church, basically um, praising you, you know, for the way you're choosing to deal with it and basically reassuring you that because of your faithfulness and and how you're living your life, that they were certain you would be blessed to have your homosexuality fixed and to have a wife and to populate your worlds with number, you know, without number. Right. And uh, and I really love the response you made in return. Yeah. Well, um, they they basically said, you know, you know, we know that you know this is going to be taken away from you in the afterlife, and you know, and I I basically said, uh, actually, that's not what I want. You know, that that <laughs> ship sailed a long time ago. Uh, I said, I, I'm not looking to change my sexuality. I, I spent many, 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 many years trying to change it. And I think this is the way I am, you know. Um, and I don't feel like I need to change it. I feel like this is who I'm supposed to be. And I'm very happy with who I am. And the thought, the thought of even being heterosexual in the afterlife just is like, who would I be? I would be, I, I feel like I would be somebody else. I feel like I would not be who I am, which is so ironic because, you know, there were many, many years in my early life when I just thought I would give anything to be straight. Please let me be straight. Um, but I, I don't feel that way anymore. I just feel like this is who I am and I'm happy with who I am. And so I'm hoping that I stay gay in the afterlife. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Definitely. I have one more question because I know in the article, um, and I believe through talking to you, it seems like you've touched on something that you and Isaiah are particularly proud of about your relationship and that you value. Hmm. Um, do you know? I think maybe you know what I'm talking about. If you wouldn't mind sharing. Are you talking about uh, sex before marriage? Yes. All right. Yes, I would love to talk about that. Um, I guess it's probably because I was raised Mormon, but I always felt like sex uh, was something that needed to be after marriage. It just was important to me. Um, and, uh, and, and I really think it helped. I think it helped our relationship, actually. Would would you agree with that? Isaiah's in the room, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I felt like it... You know, I think a lot of people base their relationship on sex immediately, and that's all it is about, and then they discover they actually don't have anything else in common. <laughs> um, and I felt like Isaiah and I became really good friends, and we dated for... What was it? Two years? Two long years. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> two years. Uh, and and our friendship just solidified and our relationship wasn't based on sex. It was just based on, you know, our love for each other. And, and uh, but it was, it was something, you know, we agreed that we would wait until after we got married to, to consummate our relationship. And uh, uh, as soon as we had our commitment ceremony... <laughs> You know, than than we did. So, um, but it was important to me, and uh, 
and I don't, I don't regret it at all. I think it was the right choice. Uh, and I, and I know that's not everybody's choice. And I, I respect that other people, uh, choose differently and that's, that's fine, but it was important for us. Um, and, uh, you know, I've tried to live my life as Mormon as possible, you know, uh, I, 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 uh, you know, I don't smoke or drink or, um, and, and I, I mean, I, w- I don't think I'd want to do those things anyway, uh, just because I, I kind of have an addictive personality. And I think if I were to drink, I think I would, I think I would probably be alcoholic. So, uh. <laughs> But, uh, but I really do. I mean, I try to live my life, uh, according to many of the, like I said, uh, I think a lot of the Mormon values I was taught were, were very good, you know, instructions for how one can live their life. And so I've, I've tried to, uh, stick to the values that my parents taught me. And, and, uh, you know, I've tried to love people and not judge people. Uh, and I think these were all things that I, I felt I was taught as a Mormon. You know, I think there's an important point there, and maybe it's in the word homosexuality. I think the unfortunate thing is so many, especially on the right, just associate it with sexuality. Right. And, and it's, it's not, it's not that at all. It's the same thing that everybody else is looking for in a relationship. Right. right. There's really no difference. Well, um, you know, Isaiah and I talk about how I think people have an idea of, of what gay people are. They're these people that just have sex with each other and go to clubs and, you know, drink. <laughs> and, and I admit there's a part of the gay population that, that is like that. Part of know, the straight the, population. The, or yeah, the straight, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that are, you know, that are promiscuous. And, and I, and we, we talk about how if people could just see how normal we are, like we're, we're pretty boring. You know, it's just like we're regular people. We go shopping. We, you know, we do our gardening and, uh, take care of our cats. And, and <laughs> I mean, we're just a normal couple. You know, we're like any other normal couple. And, and, uh, and I do, I think people, I think people are so busy thinking about the sexual nature of homosexuality, you know, where the body parts are going. And that's gross. <laughs> we can't think about that. That They just forget it's two people who just genuinely love each other and want to spend their lives together, just like any straight couple. When Zilpha and I first, um, you know, quit going to the LDS church, we... We, we attended the Unitarian Church for, for a few years. And, you know, I think academically at that point, we accepted homosexuality. But of course, the Unitarian Church has a lot of homosexuals in it. And I think that was the first, I think what you talked about was the first real revelation to us is that homosexuals are just people. They're yeah. just, they're just the same boring, <laughs> exactly. strange, you know, exactly. just a, a, like everybody else. And then the, the next revelation was, well, there was something special that each person or each couple or whatever brought to the congregation or brought to the table in life that, you know, you talk about change. I'm, I'm with you. Even if there was some special pill that somebody came up with, you know, each individual and, and that includes who they are through their, their homosexuality or their, their straightness or whatever right. brings something to the table. And I would hate to see that go. And what I would hope is that the, the church as it grows up starts to realize that, that we don't want to change people, even right. if it can be done, right. you know? And, and I think, you know, when I think of the gay people I know, some of them are, I'm, some of them are just the n- most wonderful people, the nicest people, the most caring individuals. I, I mean, I know a lot of straight people like that too, but, but 
I just think, I think people, if people would just look at people's hearts, if they would look at who they are as a person and not concentrate so much on what they consider a sin, you know, or a sinful life, uh, I think it would open their eyes so much more to a world that they don't even allow themselves to enter. You know, they, uh, there's just some great, great people out there that are just being shunned mm. and being, uh, you know, and, and I, 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 uh, I wish people in the church would also just assume there's gay people around them. <laughs> and, you know, cause there have, there have been some insensitive remarks or ignorant remarks from, from various people I've dealt with in my life and, uh, w- within the church. And, and I just think if, if we could all just remember that we are, we're just all children of our Heavenly Father, and, you know, we should just treat each other kindly and just assume that, you know, nobody's perfect. And there's nobody in this world that's perfect. We all do things that, you know, we all have our various weaknesses and problems and issues and stuff. And I, I, that is one thing I wish in the church is I think, I think so many of us, go to church and put on this facade of, you know, we're just trying to be the best people we can be. And we're, we're trying to put on this face of perfection, you know, and none of us are perfect. We all have problems. And I think if we could all look at each other's secret, secret lives and secret problems, we would be amazed at how, how much really alike we all are, you know? And, uh, and so I, I wish we could be maybe more open with each other. I mean, to me, that's what, that's part of the purpose of, of church is the fellowship that you're supposed to have with each other and the support system. And yet so many of us are trying to hide all of our problems. And it's just like, well, let's just talk about it and be open about it. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to air their dirty laundry, but I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, if we could all just look at each other as people who need each other you know i think we'd be better off yeah they're well i don't know were you going along the same lines or are we switching subjects because i have somewhere i'd like to go all right um and this of course comes from my own background um my father uh retired from lds social services and one of his specific specialties was counseling with gay members of the church Mm -hmm. and and still to this day, um, he does a lot of work, a lot of therapy work just on his own because he loves it. And he believes with all his heart that he can help gay people turn straight. Right. So I'm just curious what kind of, um, did you try any reparative therapies? Yeah, I did. I, I went to therapy and it, it really was not a very long time. Uh, it was only a few months. It wasn't like a big, long uh, thing. Um and actually, Isaiah and I were talking about this not too long ago. Um, somebody had asked me uh, if I regretted reparative therapy, if if I felt like it damaged me or hurt me, or and uh, I was saying I was I was talking to Isaiah and I said I, I really don't feel like it did damage me. I I actually felt like a lot of valuable stuff came out of it. It didn't change me. Uh, and I, I don't believe reparative therapy can change uh, a person from gay to straight. Uh, but what it did do for me is 
it gave me an opportunity at a time in my life when I was very, very closeted and very suppressed in my feelings. It just gave me a chance to talk about them uh, with somebody who, who, you know, whose job it was to listen to all my problems, you know? And so that was valuable to me. It was valuable to just be able to talk about all this stuff that I felt like I'd been holding inside. Um, at that time, you know, I mean, my family knew about my issues, but, but I didn't, I didn't, and it, it, it's no reflection on my family. I just didn't feel comfortable talking about it with them because I just felt like it was just so terrible. And, you know, here I was trying to fix this problem and it just wasn't being fixed. And, um, and, and so I did go to reparative therapy and, and it was just nice to be able to, to talk about stuff that I just had never been able to get out. Um, Oh, one thing I didn't like about reparative therapy, especially through LDS social services, is I kind of regret, I mean, you know, you're going to LDS social services, so that's what you're going to get. But I, I regret that it was such a, such a Mormon uh, kind of bias to it, you know. I mean, their job was to change me. That's, that's what we were doing. And I wish, I kind of wish I'd seen maybe a therapist that could just let me be whoever I wanted to be and just talk about without trying to steer me into a specific direction. Um, but it also, uh, I felt like it was valuable too, because I was, I was a, I was the kind of individual who really kept things inside and didn't talk about things. And, and I think that caused a lot of undue stress in my life. And, uh, I mean, you can see now here I am, sharing every intimate detail about myself with, you know, your audience and, and reparative therapy actually helped me realize that I can't do this. I, I can't deal with life's problems by myself. I was so busy trying to fix everything myself. And like I said, I don't feel like I have to fix my homosexuality now, but it does relate to any other problems I have in life uh, where I feel like I, I, in order to deal with my problems, I feel like I do need to talk about them with other people. And I, and I do need to work through them with other people rather than trying to hold everything inside myself. So I, I, that was something I learned in therapy that I thought was very valuable. So I don't, I don't regret my time in therapy. And, and I was like, I, I was saying to Isaiah, um, I feel like everything I've done in my life is just part of the journey I'm on, you know? And, you can't look back on your life and go, oh, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't do that. Oh, I should have done this better. Life is what it is. You do what you do and, you know, you learn from what you've done and then you move on. And and so I feel like every piece of the puzzle has been valuable for me. So so I don't regret it at all. I, I uh, uh, But I don't think it works either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Well, and then my follow-up <clears throat> question would be to that is um, – from my, of course, very limited understanding, part of kind of an angle that would be taken through LDS social services in discussing your homosexuality might be this idea of it being a product of you identif uh, you identifying too closely with your mother or female figure and having maybe a distant relationship right. with your father. Um, how does that relate to you? That that was that actually was. Um that was kind of the theory behind it when I, when I went, um, I guess the theory is that, uh, it was more that, uh, 
because maybe you have an emotionally distant father, uh, you're not getting, I guess, what you need from him and you sexualize it in other people. But I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a lot of BS. Isn't, isn't everybody's father emotionally distant? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my father, and that was, that was another thing I did not like about therapy was I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I put an unfair judgment on my father who I loved very, very much and valued very much. And I just felt like, in a way, I felt like, gosh, I feel like you're demeaning my father. I don't I don't know if, you know, that's what their intent was, but that's how it felt at the time. And I just thought, mm. And even at the time, even when I was going through reparative therapy, I thought, mm, I don't buy this. I don't think this is, this is not why I'm gay. I don't know why I'm gay, but <laughs> this <laughs> this theory is, is just not, I, I just don't, I don't believe that that's, that's, I, who knows what causes homosexuality? I mean, and I don't care. I don't, you know, I used to care. I used to be like, well, if I knew what was, if I knew what caused it, then maybe I could fix it. Maybe I could change it. Um, I just am who I am and I'm happy with who I am. And, and I, I think so much, I think when we suppress that part of ourselves, that's just so part of ourselves that, that it causes so much damage and problems. And Isaiah can testify to this. And anybody in my family, anybody who knows me can testify that the person I am now and the person I was before I came out, uh, this person is so much happier and so much freer and so much more comfortable in his skin. And uh, I just, life is so much better now. I mean, it is just so much better. I have, I just have no regrets about coming out. I have no regrets about my relationship with Isaiah's. Um, I'm, uh, you know, in the article, my friend, she, 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 uh, I don't know if you remember this, but she said that, uh, when I met Isaiah's and when I came out of the closet, it was like the scene in the wizard of Oz where Dorothy goes from black and white to color. <laughs> oh, yes. And when I read that, I went, she is so right. That is exactly, that is exactly how I feel. I lived my life in gray for so, so long. And, uh, and I was very suppressed and repressed and uptight and angry and stressed and just, just, uh, uncomfortable and trying to be this person that I just never felt like I was. And now that I am allowing myself to just be who I am, Life is just so much more comfortable. It's so much easier. It's so much, uh, there's so much less stress. Uh, I remember I used to just, I was never suicidal really, but I used to just pray that God would just take me away, you know, that he would just bring me back home so I wouldn't have to deal with all these problems. And, and I just thought, I just can't do this anymore. I can't fight this anymore. And I don't want to fight it anymore. And I just, I said, if, if you really want me to be straight, just kill me now, you know, have me get hit by a bus or something, you know, <laughs> but I, I never had the, fortunately, I never had the nerve myself to actually, you know, kill myself. Um, now I, I just have so much to live for. I, you know, I was thinking about, my doctor recently told me that I have high cholesterol and I was just like, you know, my, my own father died at 55 and I'm four, I'm almost 40 right now. So that's like 50, if I were to die at the same time my dad did, that's like 15 years. And that's not, that's not a really long time. And I was just like, 
I've got this life with Isaiah and I, I've got, you know, I'm so happy now. And I'm like, I don't want to die, you know? And I thought, gosh, how much my life has changed for the better, you know, how better things are. And I, I do, I really, I do feel very badly for a lot of these. And again, I'm not judging anybody's choice who people need to make their own decisions about how they want to live and how they, uh, you know, what they need to do in their lives. And, and being somebody who tried that for a long time, I understand where a lot of these people are coming from, but I feel, I do feel badly for a lot of these people who, who are still in the closet and feel very unfulfilled in their lives and feel, you know, and, and so I think there are some people who maybe are making it work, but I, 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 kn- I know of several individuals who are in marriages and there's just a lot of angst and drama and stress and 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 I just feel bad. I feel bad that because I think I I'm really happy now, you know. Um, so, but like I said, everybody needs to make their own choice, and everybody needs to you know use their own wisdom about what they need to do. And and I understand uh, as somebody who tried to be the best Mormon I could be, I understand that fear that well if i do come out and if i do you know leave my wife or whatever and and i do this then you know i'm going to be condemned to hell and get excommunicated and and all, all these terrible things and and i do think that we can't can't live our lives based on fear either at the same time i don't you know a lot of these marriages have children involved mm. and and it's like it's a tough decision it's like you know and I know I have a I have a good friend who who's who's gay and he's still married and him and his wife are really trying to make it work the best they can and and they seem happy you know uh, but I I know it's a struggle for him but but you know everybody's got to do what they got to do but I'm just saying from my vantage point I'm a lot happier since I've come out so so I'm just kind of reflecting on kind of the conversations or messages that went back and forth on Facebook as Stephen and I were kind of putting this idea together. Um, and I realizing, you know, his love for the church um, and how this podcast is not necessarily seen as something that's faith promoting. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> um, you know, it, it made me really nervous because I really wanted this to be something that would honor everyone. And so his idea of building a bridge and, and being that voice, because I've been paying attention to the issues in the gay community and definitely the issues in the church the last three or four years. And it seemed like this is a voice we don't hear enough of. And I've had my anger and I've had my bitterness. And finally, after three and a half years, it seemed like I came to this spot at the most perfect time to hear his story. And so if this doesn't mean anything to anyone else and help them, this has been marvelous for me. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Stephen. Well, thanks for sharing your your story. It's been really poignant, and I think it's an important message. You know, like I was saying before, I I think that you know homosexuality is a part of humanity, and until the church 
sort of realizes that, you know, it's going to be out of, out of balance and it's a, it's a part that we don't want to fix and that we don't want to get rid of. And I think that, you know, personally, I've done a lot of debate as to, you know, to get the church to change the things that it needs to change, whether that's better from inside or out. And right. I, I don't know the answer to it, but I know that uh, individuals who have the strength that you do to sit in the pews are going to make people, you know, think about things, you know, right. that recently, you know, there was all the debate about the military and don't ask, don't tell. And I remember a, a study came out that said, you know, the number one factor on whether or not people were accepting of homosexuals in the military was if they'd served with anybody, if they'd served with somebody, you know, then they were, they were pretty much fine with it. Right. And I think that, that the, the strength that you have to go helps move that point along. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. Well, as always, the discussion continues on the website at mormonexpression.com. Um, and, um, um, Stephen, once again, thank you. Thank you.